Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we are joined by Trevor Walker all the way out of Canada. Trevor, introduce yourself to the audience. Who are you? Uh, hey, Maurice. Thanks for having me on. So I am a, um, I'm a headshot photographer in Canada, in British Columbia on the West Coast. Um, and I do portraits and I do a couple of things as well, but primarily I am a headshot photographer. Uh, I'm also a mentor with the Headshot Crew, which, which you know well. Oh, yeah. I know all about that. So... You're all, the services you offer are predominantly headshots, or do you shoot anything on the side? So I shoot primarily headshots and portraits, but then I also do commercial work as well. So I do commercial and corporate work. So it could be product photography. I've shot for clothing lines. Uh, I do kind of videos for certain people as well. So it's a bit of an offering, but easily 80, 90% headshots. Okay, so that's probably the thing that you only market and the rest is more or less extra. Is that how we can see it? Yeah, good question. So what I do is I have I have a branding of Trevor Walker Photography that deals exclusively in the headshots. And then I create a secondary brand that's Walker Creative Services that focuses on all of the other stuff. So it's kind of keeping the, the keeping the brand separate, nice and clean for potential clients. Okay. But the majority of your focus is geared towards the headshots, I think. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So what would you like to achieve with your work? Wow, that's a, that's a heavy second question. I know, right. I know. We're diving straight in. You know what I'd say? There's, there's two folds of it. One, uh, with my work, I'd love to have, have, have my business continue to be more successful and to grow it and all that fun stuff. Uh, on the photographer creative side of me, um, I want to get rid of, of bad headshots because it's the most painful thing in the world to see a billboard with somebody with crossed arms and a giant smile or you know a, a dorky face. So those are, those are the two primary goals for me. Okay. That sounds cool. So why did you start with photography? Did you have a career before you turned into a photographer, I guess? I did, yeah. So for 15 years prior, I was an executive recruiter. So it was a headhunter for the most part. People would pay me to find them employees. Um, and then partway through, I think in 2000, 2012, my wife bought me a, a course on how to use a camera. And there was just some some crazy dude that was so excited about photography and showing us all about like depth of field and how the camera distorts a wide angle. Like he was just so enthusiastic that it gave me like a little bit of a spark um, uh, for photography. And then fast forward 2017, um, I met Peter Hurley and then that entirely changed the game for the direction of, of my photography. So, and like now that you own the camera, you worked with Peter and you obviously know how to handle a camera since you are an associate and a mentor with Peter's headshot crew. Uh, what motivates you today to like go to the studio and shoot? You know, what I mean, as photographers, we we're lucky that we get to talk to people all the time. So photographers typically are very introverted, so they don't like to hang around with a lot of people, but talking one-on-one, -on -one, like bringing somebody into the studio, having somebody jump in front of my camera, kind of having a great couple hour conversation where we get some pictures that they love. It, it's super, super rewarding. It gives me an opportunity to show them something they haven't seen before by getting a really great expression or a really great shot. Uh, 
and that it's something that they kind of they use and they hold on to. So there's a lot of meaning to it. So it's, it's very rewarding being a headshot photographer for sure. I'm motivated to do this because you're helping people. There's a story that you like bought, like got a camera and got into photography. Um, what's the story like, Trevor the person? Like, who are you? Like, how do you grew up? And are you like using some of that experience even from recruiting ages or like you growing up in your teens? Do you like incorporate that in your brand? Yeah, wow. Question, question number what four is, is equally as deep as the rest. Okay, so I'll tell you, yeah. So in terms of, of me as a person, um, to go to what you're saying, the, the connection that I have with people in front of my camera is directly related to all of my working experience. So basically it's like I started off in, in retail for 10 years in the family business. And, uh, and, and I, I used to really enjoy talking to people, but also like figuring out, you know, what do they want? It sounds so cheesy, but retail can be boring. So when you're talking to somebody selling a computer and you're kind of trying to figure out all the, all the cool stuff, what makes them tick, you kind of learn how to, how to read people. So you can see like the facial expressions and how they hold their body. So fast forward into recruiting, I ended up using that same thing when I would interview candidates to be like, Ooh, I think that we need to, you know, the way you said this last sentence, I'm going to, I'm going to help you say that more confidently. And then as we would continue to talk to a candidate, I'd be like, Hey, when you answer that question, you also want to seem like you're, you're a nice warm individual. So I would really coach people on how to position their body, their faces and uh, how to, how to kind of emote when there's no place to emote to like in an interview. So it was a very, very natural step for me when I when I jumped behind a camera, especially when I watched Peter originally and yourself and a bunch of other gifted photographers. When I watched that interaction, that intimate interaction with two people, it wasn't about the camera. It's not about the gear. It's about talking to that person and, and letting all of the, the garbage go and just being able to kind of coach them through to a great expression. So I took all those little pieces that I had been kind of enjoying in my career and I, I directly apply it. So now when I have a uh, a subject in front of my camera that I can actually tell them, see, there's confidence. That's what that looks like. There's warmth, you know, so I can kind of walk them through all of the pieces that kind of make a great expression far more than just saying smile or, or do something weird. So I love the depth that I can get into with the minutia of, of expression while I'm in a session. You talk about confidence and now you're obviously confident when you're shooting. Have you always been confident yourself? Not at all. You know what it is? I think that the thing with confidence is that it's confidence is about knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. Does that make sense? So you, it does. so you, you know the bucket of information, but then you realize there's a, a much larger bucket that you don't know at all. So I think that like, um, I don't consider myself to be confident, but I'm very sure of what I know and I'm very sure of what I don't know. So when I'm around someone like, uh, somebody I might look up to, like if I'm around Peter Hurley, for example, watching him do photography, I think I'm a, I'm a pretty good headshot photographer, but around someone like that, there's so much more I could learn. I can fill up my toolbox with so many more tools by watching these brilliant people. So, um, so that's kind of like where I think know what you know and be, be, be confident with that route. And it's okay to not know other stuff. And then, yeah. So that, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but confidence for me is more about being sure of yourself. And like now you're like developing the headshot brand and the, like the creative brand, if you will. Um, like yeah. if we focus on the headshot brand, like how would you describe this brand? So I really gear my brand towards um, solving a problem for, for the client. So 
from the second you go to my website or if you look at my ads or if you go to my social media, I always talk about um, it, like looking at a headshot through their eyes. So I talk about things like you're, you're photogenic. You just had the wrong photographer. Um, you know, I kind of feed into what their problems are. So when someone's like, yeah, I'm going to, I might need to take a picture of myself for my company and I have to put it on LinkedIn. Let me, let me Google headshot photographers. I don't want them to see somebody saying, Oh, you're missing out by not having a great headshot. Man, you can't, you don't tell someone if you tell people you're dead. But instead what I say is say is you are photogenic. Let me show you how. So I'm trying to answer a very specific problem. Most people feel like they have internally just when they start their search for headshots. So it's, it's always about the client. And like I'm saying, that permeates through all of my marketing, social media, and all of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like my personal brand is also a lot about my personality and my day of the life stuff and my backgrounds yeah. and all of that. Like, do you incorporate that into your messaging as well? Or do you keep it strictly business? No, I think you need to. I think that Right. With the way social media is, it's a unique opportunity for us as, as business owners to show clients a glimpse of our personality. And I think that the more that you can build knowledge of somebody, the more that you start to build trust. Because when someone sees you all the time posting stories or you know, when it's your face and your voice, if they're following you on any social media platform, they develop a familiarity. So then it's much easier for them to be like, well, I know Trevor and he's, he's a good guy. Not because I post once in a blue movie, because I'm very consistently posting stuff that gives them little tiny tidbits of my personality. So it's, it's really both. It's about solving that unique problem for the client and the customer. Um, and also, yeah, absolutely giving them a little glimpse into who you are as a person. Yeah, I always say that like personal branding is like giving your audience the opportunity to get to know you. Mm -hmm. That's my little, absolutely. the way I describe personal branding. And I think it makes sense. Well, I was going to say, like, I think that it makes perfect sense. And I think that's where a lot of people tend to miss because they feel like they should tell as opposed to teach, you know, and, and when I say tell versus teach, the way I see it is like, if you, if I tell someone you need a headshot, if I tell someone I'm a nice person, it, it doesn't really mean anything because you haven't built up trust. So you have to earn the right to have an opinion and to tell your audience something that's meaningful. But if you show, so if you're like, here's just who I am, there's no catch, there's no coupon code at the end of it, no call to action. Here's just who I am. And here's what problems I'm solving for my customers. Like if it's a Google review, if it's something somebody said in session, you know, then you're not telling people you need a headshot because you're saying, look what they said, being the customer. And I think that's much more powerful for personal branding, for sure. So since you now like have a personal brand developed, like what steps did you take to get to the place that you are at this point? You know, a lot of it was um, consistent posting. So for me, it's so it's for me, it's like if you have to have a, a plan. So obviously, as business owners, you have to have a marketing plan. And when I was thinking about how I wanted to develop my brand in terms of Trevor Walker photography, it's about posting everywhere. I post on LinkedIn all the time, almost daily. I post on Instagram. I post on Facebook. I do newsletters. Uh, I do ads that are personalized. I do videos in my ads now, like, so it's a little bit of everything. So it's not, uh, I think the key for me when I was developing all of the, the branding components is that it just has to be something that's like, like you, like you don't think it through, you don't write a script, you don't spend three hours developing one post, you just throw your content out there on a very consistent basis. Uh, and I think that when you're trying to build that personal brand, the more that you post, the more that somebody will see that and they're 
they're, they're wanna, they want to chew all over it. I'll give you a silly example, but it's a good one. There was a, um, I travel quite a bit when I can. Now things are a little bit different, but traveled a lot more. And um, in certain cities that I go to, because my LinkedIn presence is very, I have like 13, 14,000 uh, connections. So when I travel to a new city, I'll put a post up saying, hey, I'm going to the city. If you're interested, let me know. And I recently went last week and I had to book two full days in this neighboring city of mine um, because a bunch of people were like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. And and then a lot of that is because they see me as this photographer that they've had on their connection list when actually they had me as a recruiter. So they didn't even remember how we got connected, but all they saw was my information in their feed and little glimpses into the fact that my wife's pregnant, to the fact that I have two dogs and that look at the problems I'm solving for clients. And they see this consistent activity. They see me engaging in their posts too. So then it's like for them an easy trigger because they're not taking as much of a risk because they know me. Yeah, that's exactly the way that I do it. Like I wanna yeah. like create that connection beyond like my service. Like people like know what I'm doing. So I don't have to like hard sell them on anything. I just like be human and create that connection. And I think that's what Absolutely. matters. And like, I always want to be on top of mind with people that like when they need me, they know where to go and not go to Google, but go straight to my phone number or like LinkedIn and find my information or whatever and not like try and find other options. Like I'm going to be the only option because I'm the person that they're familiar with. You know, I think you said something really important there too. You said when the time is right. So I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people think of marketing as I throw a fishing line out and I try to catch some fish. But really for, for me, it's more about being top of mind. So I, I put all this information out there because I don't ever, I never ask for business. I don't cold email anymore. I, I got rid of all of that. I don't do any of that stuff. All I do is make sure that I have content that's really relatable content that means something to my potential audience. And I never ask for business, but then when the, cause the timing for us, if I say to somebody, do you want a headshot? If they weren't looking, what? No. If someone comes to me today and says, do you want meatloaf? I'll be like, what? That, not even hungry. What do you, that's weird. <laughs> but if someone's the meatloaf professional and I down the road decide I want meatloaf and I've seen their post a hundred times, of course I'm going to them. So I think that that's a really good point that you're making is that our, our timing it's about giving them, it's about being top of mind so that when they're ready to pull the trigger, we're, we're the, the first and only ones that are the, the subject matter experts. The important question right now is, are you going to have meatloaf later today? <laughs> you know, now that we talked about this, I want to find a meatloaf expert just, just to get one piece of it. Yes. Yeah, I, like it came from somewhere. So I figured it was top of <laughs> mind right now during this recording. So it's like, that was an obvious one to throw in there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I bet you my Facebook pixel now, every time I go on Facebook, it's going to show me ads about meatloaf for sure. I'm not sure Facebook is listening into this. God only yes. knows what's happening with that whole algorithm, which right. like I don't work. And that like ties into the whole thing that we're saying, not like leveraging algorithms or uh, short-term um, strategies or shortcuts, but just working the long game. Yep. Um, like you're working your brand and you obviously have a ton of clients and like 
Do you know how others see your brand and if there's a total match with what you're putting out there and the way that people see you? Yeah, that's a great question. That, that to me is ever evolving. So, you know, I think a long time ago, somebody that, that I looked up to quite a bit say to me that you aren't your own ideal client. So don't market as though you're marketing to yourself. Uh, and the example was that at the time it was like, you know, what would you pay spend on a headshot? And I was like, oh, I, I spend nothing. I have friends that do it and I do it and maybe 50 bucks. And then he, he said at the time, he was like, and that's why you're not your ideal client. So for me, it's very, very important that I get feedback. Like, And I'm, I'm ever evolving how my brand is being perceived. Early on in my career, I had much more of a bravado, you know, book me now or else you're not going to book anything. You know, I'm, I'm a busy guy. Even if I wasn't busy, I'm a busy guy early on. Yeah. And then I realized that you don't, you don't need to do that. Like that's, you know, if you want to book based on scarcity, then that's typically also a pricing model. So you have to be dirt cheap. Book now, you'll save 30%. And that's not the model that I, I go for. Yeah, it's a race um, to so the I bottom. Think it's absolutely a race to the bottom. So, so I, I always try to evolve it. Like as an example, every single client I have in the studio, um, we talk, and I kind of say, not in a way of, of tracking, but I say, you know, how'd you find me? I googled you. Oh, cool, cool. Did you like my website? And they're like, yeah, I liked it. Then if you stand out, like if you've if you've built a relationship, you you earn the right to ask certain questions, right? If somebody first walks in, I'm like, how'd you find me? Most people are like, oh, um, I don't. Maybe Google. I don't know. I don't. But then if you, if you wait till you've kind of talked to them, they're relaxed, you're shooting a bit, they're happy, you can pull information. And then if you get real information, they'll tell you, I love the, the tagline at the top of your website. And I'll be like, okay, cool. And then you can kind of keep that. But I'm, I'm ever evolving my branding, my personal branding. I'm ever evolving how I'm speaking, you know, because who's my clientele, where are they and how am I finding them and how do they want to hear me? So it is an ever evolving thing. It never stops. Yeah, I have the same thing when like I'm, asking people like how did you like why did why are you here and they go like yeah mm -hmm. i went on google and then like 15 minutes into session they say like yeah i googled this and then they gave me the exact keyword it's like okay i wasn't even sure i was ranking for right. that but like kudos <laughs> and or like that's like probably like 20 percent of the people and most of them are like yeah i saw your content uh we're buddies on linkedin uh you shot my friend jimmy or like whatever like usually it's more of that stuff but when people google me and like i rank first for like pretty much everything so, so yeah. like they gave me like the thing that they put in there and it's like okay and i'll go to the computer and i type in the keywords like oh my gosh yeah i rank for that yeah. stuff <laughs> it's like okay it's like that's funny it, that's that's how i found out somehow i was ranking for passport photos so i had somebody come in with his mom and he was like talking about passport photos and i was like no no you don't want i'm too expensive you don't want that and uh and then i asked him like did you find me because you typed in passport photos and he said yeah i typed in passport photos walmart which is like a big discount chain yeah and i'm like what so i looked and yes i was ranking somehow for passport photos walmart because of a blog post i had put ages ago and and it so it was so I had to like change all that, but but you're right. That's a that's a key component for sure. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden you can you you figure out that oh shit I've been spending money in the wrong place for a very very long time, and I've been ranking in the wrong spot, which is giving me a bad bounce rate. So it, it absolutely it all connects quite deeply. Yeah. Like I have like every like over here it's like uh, the stores are open uh, late on Thursdays, so usually on Thursday night around seven I get a phone call. Could be 6.45, could be 7.15, but like within this like time frame, I always get a phone call. It happened every week for years. 
And then some dude is calling or some girl like, yeah, I need to go to the DMV tomorrow or I need to go to City Hall <laughs> and get my passport renewed. And like, can I come in for a picture? That's what they say. Yeah. Like, usually they come in like, are you a portrait photographer? It's like, yeah, I'm a portrait photographer. Okay. Uh, can I come in for a picture tonight? It's like, yeah, that, probably not. Like, what are you looking for? It's like, and then they go like, how much is it? And I say like, my rates. They look, go like, they either hang up or they say, oh, that's a little much for a passport photo. It's like, yeah, well, yep. it's not a passport photo. And I'll just refer right. them to like some photographer on the corner of the street or like whatever, JCPenney or whatever, like some store that just like yep. go there, sit at, sit there. They'll take two snaps. They'll give you six passport photos for 20 bucks or whatever. And you're off to the races. And that's based because I'm ranked for photographer in my city. Ooh, that's a rough one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I get like the, the, the average, like my, uh, my son is flying in from Singapore for a week and yeah. we want to get family shots. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Take, take number two on Google because I'm not doing that. Right. That's funny. I actually try to, uh, I, I, has, I have it as a negative keyword. So I try not to rank specifically for that because I rank for everything else. And that was one of the ones that I found that I get people saying like, hey, can you do, do you do uh, wedding photography? I'd be like, what? Did you go to my site? There's nothing there. So it's like trying to like keep it nice and clean. I was, I used to field so many phone calls that didn't make any sense at all. And I think like part of the personal branding is also the niching, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sticking to yeah, it. You know what? It's funny when you say that too, because I, I talk about all the other types of photography I do, but they are very much an organic growth from my headshot clients. So all of my branding is driven towards headshots and portraits. I don't want to clutter it up by, by showing other stuff. But then in that realm, I'll have clients that are like, Hey, like there was a beer brand in my city and they're like, can you shoot some cans for us as well? And I was like, yes, I can. I, I have the skills. Let's do it. So it's like, it's been a natural growth, but, but my branding still always gears me towards headshots and portraits because that's like, I want to be known for that. And then once you have those relationships, it's easier to branch off. Yeah, exactly. It's more, it's yeah. easier to branch out than to branch yeah. in, I guess. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Do you work with other professionals uh, in your business or are you just like this solo, like flying solo kind of guy? Um, like you mean other photographers? Yeah. Or like makeup or like when you reach out yeah. to people that can help you with things like I, like sometimes like for me personally, I, like if I don't know anything very well and it takes me a ton of time to figure out, I'll find something that somebody that can do it and I'll just pay them and like have yeah. them figure it out. Like, and for yeah. me, I always look at like, what is their message? Like, what are their, how did they present themselves? Is that something yeah. that you look for as well? And like, do you have deciding factors that you go like, oh my gosh, this guy's like such a total fit or this dude or this woman, girl, whatever. It's like, no way you say. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say, you, these are fantastic questions. Yeah, so my, I do work with other people. So I very much have the same mentality as you. If I'm not great at something and it's not something I'm looking to become great in, personally, I don't want to take the chance that I dilute my primary brand by doing something half-assed. So um, uh, an example is video. I, I, I do video, but it's a very specific product that's quite similar to headshots. It's a talking interview with some simple B-roll stuff. But when someone asks me to kind of go outside and start doing these sweeping shots and all this kind of weird stuff, I will hire someone else to do it. Um, or I'll refer them to somebody else as long as it's not, not in competition. Um, but I do vet every single person I work with at a, a highly, I've, I've been through for a makeup artist, which I have one now, but it, 
took me a better part of a year to find one that I actually liked. I went through six different people. Um, I provide them coaching on, on exactly what I need, even though they're a pro at makeup, but I'm, I'm kind of a pro at how I want it to look in front of the camera. So, um, and even the way they run their business, like all of this, the smallest things are a direct comparison to us. So if I have a makeup artist that's not professional, it damages my brand. If I want to or not, still damages my brand. So I, I interview and I talk and I kind of get, I'm a former recruiter. So for me, it's my thing. So I just kind of talk to them about their business and what do you do and what's your process? And because everything on my end is very automated, very static. Like I make sure that it, it's a great experience for the clients. There's no questions. Um, so whenever I'm, I'm looking for people to help me either as part of my brand or even just being referred out to, I want that to hold up my existing brand and not be like, well, here's somebody who's pretty cheap get your makeup and hair done there and then come to me and hopefully it's not that bad. Do you also like look at personalities and background and all of that or is it just like professionality and that's it? Yeah, no, they have to work. With me, it's if, if I can get along with them, I mean, I get along with a lot of people, but personality is an absolute. I mean, again, as a recruiter, I look for, I call it fit. If they're not a fit for me, then, you know, if I don't want them around, I don't want my clients around them. Um, so personality is absolutely, especially if it's on the video side of things. Uh, if I'm subbing out, subcontracting out any video work, I want to make sure that the people that are representing my brand, they're just cool people that, that aren't fake, aren't weird, don't have any kind of uh, the things that are going to make people uncomfortable. So, you know, I really want somebody who can represent my brand on the personality side too. So it's like the professionalism, but also the ability to engage somebody as well and, and talk to somebody, make them a bit more relaxed. It's yeah. a huge part of it. And you mentioned like being a former recruiter a couple of times and like being a recruiter, you're trying to find the best fit for a company. Uh, do you use yeah. any of those like tactics or experience that you like learned while being a recruiter into like either creating a personal brand or selecting the people you work with? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll break that down into two pieces. So if I talk about personal brand as a recruiter, um, the, the, the niche I was, I niched out as a recruiter too. I was, I dealt with for most of my career, um, high like finance level kind of stuff, CFOs, director of finance, stuff like that. So I had niched out in the, um, in the recruiting world and there, you're very much sales. You're trying to find clients, trying to find candidates. So you're yeah, you're getting like so a, it's the same thing a when cut, I'm using pretty much when you're like positioning somebody, yeah. you get like a uh, commission based kind of situation, right? Exactly. Yep. So it's all about knowing lots of people who could use your services, and then uh, having a lot of people that could also that you could find to kind of fill those seats. Um, so so I've taken a lot of that into what I do now because like. That helped me realize how do you identify your clientele? How do you identify? Because as, as headshot photographers, if you want to be the best in your area at something, you need to niche. You can't be the best for everybody because you're either going to be super high quality, super high price, uh, which which removes a whole bunch of people from your equation. So your, your marketing has to follow suit. If you want to niche and be a high-end photographer, um, then you need to find the clients who are okay spending that money. You know, and you're the, the person who's buying their first headshot if you're a high-end headshot photographer, they're probably not coming to you. So you have to figure out who are these people, where do they exist, what kind of industries are they in, and that all came from recruiting. So that kind of, I took all that beautiful information and I was like, this is how I'm going to focus my headshot business. So I don't want to photograph 50 people a week. I'm not interested at all. If I do five to 10, that's more than enough for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it's it's a good world and I can spend time with them. So I, that's the exact same thing I took, even as a, as a recruiter, I would feel maybe 
two to three positions a month, um, which if you know getting into it, that's not a lot of positions, but I was such a, a, a unique niched group that that was my circle. So, you know, they would say, Trevor, we need you for this one role. And then obviously that was a, a larger commission check. So I didn't have to do as much and I could focus more on the experience for my clients. And that's the exact same thing I took uh, into my business. And then part two, when we're talking about uh, interviewing people, um, when I'm looking for anybody that's going to help my brand, like a makeup artist, for example, I do full on interviews. I don't make it formal because I've never made an interview formal. As soon as you make something formal, people feel that they have to perform. But, uh, but what I would do is you just talk to somebody. You're like, oh, it's cool. You, you're a makeup artist. How long have you been doing this for? I've been doing it for like five years. Oh, wicked. Cool. You like the clients that you have, and then you kind of like as you start talking, you you can gently be like, so what do you do, what do you do when you have a client that doesn't like your makeup? How do you deal with that? And then you quickly find out if they're going to be suited because if they say, I tell them they can go to hell. I did a really good job. Then I'm like, you aren't for my brand. <laughs> Let's move on to the next person. So so I, I absolutely take the same skill set from being a recruiter into uh, picking service providers that I work with. All right, that's cool. Um, so you're, you're in business now, how long as a photographer? In total, uh, seven years, uh, two years full-time in a brand new city, but seven years in total. Okay. So what is the most valuable piece of advice that you can give somebody that wants to start with, um, elevating their photography and like niching and branding and like becoming the go-to person in their area? Yeah. So I would say the first, the, the, probably the most important component, um, is to, is to find someone or a group of people that you can, you can look to. I think for me, having, uh, people that I could look up to, having people that could help me with my photography, uh, and not help in, in terms of teach me. I I mean, I, I, I put my time in to get as good as I could possibly get, but people that you can look to to say like that, that I like where that person's going. I like what they do. The more you can have people that can kind of show you what to do, the more you can kind of develop plans for what makes sense for you. So if you're looking at someone who's very successful at, at their business, what do they do from a business perspective? And then how can you take components of that and, and put it into your business? And if you want to be a good photographer, find other photographers. I mean, we're in the headshot crew, so that's a, a, a clean example. If you find a, a style that you gravitate towards, go hard in that style and have people that, that can really want to help make you better at what you do. People that can tell you that's garbage. I think photographers in general, we can be a sensitive bunch. So there's something powerful about having somebody who can say, that's not good enough. Try again. Same thing applies with your marketing. If you have friends that are in marketing and you say, here's a Facebook ad, you want the friends that say, nah, man, that's garbage. You need to try again. So that's what I say is surround yourself with the people that you can look up to that can help kind of guide you the right direction as you start to grow your skill set and your business. Yeah, and I would personally like to add to that to find people that coach you in a more positive way because I know like in any branch, but like photographers particularly, they can be a hateful bunch of folks because like <laughs> they're always like trying to put the next guy down to make themselves look better. So yeah. I would definitely say to like find people in your community or like around the world pretty much since we're on the internet these days and like we can talk pretty yeah. much to anybody to find somebody that has like the the best intentions to get you going and not just go on some random forum and post some work and get your chopped off at the knees and just like be resentful for your work like there needs to be some sort of a positiveness in there and some motivational thing like okay this sucks but you can 
become better by doing XYZ. I think that's one yeah. of the most important things as like finding something that you can help yourself growth. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that it's uh, something that's, it, yeah, it's, it's really finding that group, that, that group of those people that you can really resonate with. You're totally right. There are a lot of photographers that just have uh, an opinion, you know, and then normally the ones with the loudest opinion are the ones that struggle with the most success. So, you know, that's early on you, you, to find the people who give you valuable feedback. Yeah, it's absolutely key. Totally right. And since you mentioned struggles, what is something that you're struggling with today? What am I struggling with? I struggle with everything. <laughs> you know what we, you know, the thing is I, I, as business owners, like, so I struggle with, um, so if I say on the business side of what I do, you struggle with, are my ads good enough? Is my website doing what it's supposed to do? Do I have the proper SEO? Am I, you know, I think like there's a constant level of like, it's not quite good enough, but you got to keep pushing. Is that a struggle or an insecurity? Um, I'd say, so, oh, that's a great question. Is it insecurity? My instinct is to say insecurity. No way. It's not insecurity. But I think that there's, there's a component of it for sure. That there, the fear of, of, of failing is what makes me personally makes me say, Ooh, is it good enough? Have I done enough? Okay, no, now I need to work more. That's why I'm always changing my website. I'm always changing my messaging. I'm always changing everything. Yeah. It's always about like, keep, keep is, is it good enough? I don't know. It's not. My website, I've never been happy with my website, but even when I look at the performance of it, I'm always like, oh God, I could do better. I think there's a big difference about not feeling good enough or wanting to hit a higher mark. So for me, like what I struggle with is I want to be the best and I want to be the top. Um, so because of all of that, I, I have this constant like, when I see someone else win something on, on like social media, if I, a headshot friend of mine in the city posted that they got this contract, I'll be like, oh God, I wasn't good enough. Oh, how could you do better? You know, and there's always this kind of innate, you have to keep going, you have to keep pushing. So that's, I'd say, is probably one of the struggles. That's probably one of the, the biggest struggles as a business owner. When you lose a contract to somebody else in the city, do you ever consider like, okay, his messaging was more aligned with what they were looking for. And my message is more geared to another audience and another contract that I will win and he's going to lose. Or do you like see that as like all the peas in one pot and there's like only so many contracts and uh, this person got it. So I messed up. Yeah, that's a great question too. The way I look at it, when if, if I lose business and I see I lose it, and there's a specific case I'm thinking of now, but if I see a local competitor win win business that I think I should have won, um, I, have, I have a thing I do. I always say like our, our successes are our, our our faults. So if we if we do well, it's because of you. Congratulations. If you don't do well, okay, it's because of you. Fix it and move forward. So if I lose to the competition, then I start to say, you know, what did I miss out on? Is it my messaging? Where did this client come from? How did they know them? Am I not networking? Could I network more? So I think there's a Every time I see that I lose any kind of business, I always have this emotional, oh my God, that's horrible. How, how dare they, you know, this like for, for two seconds. And then I'm like, oh, let it go. But then looking at what could I have done better? So to me, I'm all about the, the postmortem. So once, once you miss out on something, what can I do next time to ensure that maybe I, I don't miss that? And we're, we're going to, as photographers, especially as ones that aren't the cheapest in the world, we're going to miss a lot. Like if I win one out of four quotes, I'm happy. So 
you're going to miss a lot, but then you have to be able to to miss it on your terms. So if, if for example, the guy that won this business, uh, if he won it based on price, then I want to try to, as best I can, figure that out because then I can say, cool, that's not my client. And then it helps me evolve my business to say, what's that clientele? Where do they come from? You know, do they resonate with my messaging? And you can, you can really figure that out and see if it's something that you're okay to lose or something that you've done wrong and you need to now change it to try to win that kind of business in the future. Like, do you ask this company like, why didn't I get the job? You know, I, I don't. I've never been I've never been of that mindset. So if if I lose business, which I haven't done yet, but in my old career, if I lost business that I had from an existing client, so if, meaning if you know if they spent money on me before and all of a sudden they stop and they go to somebody else, um, if I feel that I've earned the right to ask that kind of a question, then I'll ask them and say, what's the you know, do you mind me asking what, what happened? Um, but even then, I found that most people don't want to hurt feelings. It's very, very rare. Canadians don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So then what you get is like a canned, oh, not in my hands, somebody else's hands. Oh, I was told that we have to drop our spend by 20%. Like there's always something. Yeah. So so no, I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I don't make it a habit of asking. I just try to figure it out. Uh, if I'm really curious, I try to figure it out by the photographers. Like, I don't mind reaching out to someone local and being like, dude, congrats. I saw that you got that contract. Can I ask you how? Because I was bidding for it. What are we doing? And then, you know, if if we're good enough, there's a couple people I'm, I'm good friends with, then they'll share info. And they'll be like, I priced it at this. And I'll be like, cool, I wasn't going to. So that's your your business, your client. Or if they say, I priced it this way, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then we can kind of both grow from each other. Yeah. Like, usually when people email me like, yeah. We went with another photographer, which happens like every now and then. I yeah, just right. re- I just reply like, okay, what made you go for the other one? And usually I get an answer. And it might really? not be an honest answer, but usually it's price. Like, yeah, we have right. this photographer that can shoot this these many people for like a tenth of my rate or whatever. And then I know like I don't have to worry about these people anymore because they're never going to come up to my level. But if it's like messaging or availability or like, whatever i know that i can like keep them on my list and see if i can like work with them in the future i think yeah that's that's an important part for sure because i i have a follow-up list of clients that i've lost and if they're in question um i have a whole set of emails that i'll send to them over the next year uh, and they can opt out of all this stuff but it's 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 keeping them on the radar to try to see what happened because early on, I found I, I thought I was losing clients, but the clients just weren't pulling the trigger. So if I had somebody in six months later, I would see my in the email, I'd be like, let me just follow up. And they'd be like, oh, you know what? We ran out of money back then. We just couldn't do it. So we're looking to do it in four months. And then I follow up. So there's always different reasons why. Yeah. Um, I do applaud you for asking outright because that's a habit that I should probably get more into for sure. Like I, like I always feel like I lost a job anyway, so I might as well ask him why. Like, yeah. <laughs> like how many bridges can I burn when they already decided I'm not a right fit? Like, I might as well just mm-hmm. like be out there and blunt and just ask them, right? There's nothing I can lose except intelligence. So that's why I always right. do that. And like, if they say something meaningful, I could say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, let me get back to you in six months or like when, even when they say like, this is, um, I, um, like I, I have a background in, um, uh, marketing and, I listened to this Dutch guy that is a like a sales trainer, but he's a like he brings it like very comedian-ish. And he said like if people wanna undercut you with your prices, then all you gotta say is I'm sorry you don't have the money and then <laughs> shut up. And I've been following that to the T. So when somebody tells me like, yeah, 
you're out of budget, I just reply like, I'm sorry you couldn't make it work. Let me know when you can make it work. And That's I actually hilarious. had people come back to me like years later. Like, yeah, we saved up. We're ready to go now because the other guy sucked. It's not the problem of the business owner that puts out the quote that a certain company doesn't have the budget to pay for it. Like they should right. be sorry that they're not in a position to work with the best in the business. And that's right. what this person taught me. And I was like, I've, I'm like religiously following that. Like I'm never like coming back on a quote or whatever. I'm just saying, I'm sorry, you couldn't make it. Uh, you know what? I, I yeah, so fun. I like that. I, it's a, it seems like it's a, yeah. I think that one of the things that, that we all kind of can struggle with as photographers is understanding that our brand isn't meant for everyone. And what we do isn't, is meant for a really small group of people. So that when we're, we're offering business, then uh, it, it's okay that they don't want to work with you. Like it's okay. There's many, many reasons why for sure. Envision yourself walking into a Mercedes dealership and go like, yeah, I like that yeah. fat Mercedes, but the dealership next door had a Chevy for half the price. Like, can I get this decked out Mercedes for the price of that Chevy? <laughs> like, do you think that works? But yeah. like in photography or in any service based occupation, if you will, people like always give that a shot. And it's like, no, it's not flying. Like go save some money and buy the Mercedes or go right. next door and like get something else. It is true. It's a hundred percent true. I think that it's also having that, uh, having the strength of mind to be able to kind of say like, no, that's, that's not my thing. You, you want, if you want a deal, you got to go, go buy the Chevy. Don't buy the Mercedes. Yeah. And maybe it's like a wrong example. I don't know what a Chevy costs these days, but like, it's just like, I think they're cheap. An example. So <laughs> in your opinion, like since we're talking Benz's and like Chevy's and Ford's and God knows what. Like, what is your key to being successful? Like, what's my key for being yeah, successful? Yeah, when are you successful? When? When? Well, when do you consider yourself uh, successful? You know what I think that when, uh, oh, that's a great, that's a tough one. When? I don't know. I never thought about when. I just thought about always going for more. Um, I think that there's there's a there's a balance. Um, so for me, my if I was saying when would I consider myself successful, it's in different buckets. So if I look at a lot of the local photographers here, uh, I've, I've been told that I'm, I'm successful to, compared to them. And um, so f like financially wise, I do well. Um, but for me, success is like when you're, when you're doing what you love and then financially you, you don't suffer because of it. So like for me, I do this because it's a business and the fact that I love photography is great, but I want my business to be successful. And then I'm so lucky that I get to do it with photography. Um, so success to me would be is, Oh wow. I would probably say, when I feel like I've hit a, a really good groove, I feel like I have a stable business, happy clientele, and, and a work-life balance. Okay, so how far are you on your way to becoming successful or being successful, rather? It's funny you say, I mean, if, if, I, say, if I just say what I just said, I am, I do have a great work-life balance. I, I am lucky enough that I, I have a good volume of clients and uh, I love what I do and, and financially I'm, I'm secure. So, so in that sense, technically, I could, technically would say I'm, I'm being successful. I, I don't like to think of it that way because I think that humility, especially for a business owner, is, is paramount. I think that, you know, if, if determining success, I don't ever want to, to not change because I feel like if I look at some photographers who've been doing it for 30 years, there's a common thread that at one point they just kind of hit a stride and then they stay in that lane and then they become irrelevant and then they start to slowly die uh, because they, they're not changing. So for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying success 
I guess in that sense. I mean, financially, I'm good. Work-life balance is good. Business is awesome. So I, I'm enjoying it quite a bit and I love it. Um, but for me, it's about like, stay humble, keep doing your thing. Don't kill yourself doing it. Like enjoy life and make sure you're working for the right reasons. And if something's breaking in your machine called owning a business, you fix that component so the machine runs smoother. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And since you mentioned the old timers staying in their lane and you're not going to be one of them, what are your goals in the upcoming years to like shift gear and get into another lane? So I do, I want to lean heavier. Um, let me take a step back. So outside of photography, I also own real estate. So I have a, a couple of properties that I rent out and then we have our primary residence. So, so when I'm looking at how I'm growing, the business uh, affords me the ability to have, have more money that I can kind of get more rentals. So I want to kind of keep my lane of photography going, branch it out more into the commercial side because it's quite fun. Uh, I'd like to do a little bit more of that to help diversify because the clients that you hit in the headshot world aren't always the clients that you hit in the commercial world. Uh, but then on top of that, I want to keep buying more real estate because that's an entirely different different realm. So that if photography changes in the next 10, 15 years, 20 years, whatever, I'm okay because I haven't dedicated all of my funds and all of my career in one path. So you're setting yourself up in like multiple multiple streams of revenue and you have invested your money into real estate and brick and mortar, which is usually always a good idea. Yes, 100%. For me, that was one of the things I did kind of early on and it's afforded me to to um, get get like, I, I mean, I have a, a large house that's more than what I would have imagined. And it's all because of my real estate investments early in my life. So it's, it, it, yeah, for me, it's about, you, you know, the, the having financial security, not you don't have to be rich, but being stable financially, it affords you the ability to really enjoy what you do. Um, so that's always been a big thing for me. That's why multiple streams of income, it would freak me out to do a job in a industry that is kind of a, a, a linear path yeah. because then what happens? Like if, if all of a sudden that path changes or like when we had the whole COVID thing hit, then all of a sudden, you know, we closed down for three months. So my, my studio was shut down for three months. And then luckily it, I didn't, I wasn't so reliant on just photography. So we were able to survive and my wife was working. So we're good. So to me, it's like, you know, the more that you can diversify as you continue to grow your business, the more financially stable you are. And it just removes risks. Like, Now, for me, it's like, it's not the pressure of, oh my, I have to make, I need five more clients this month. Oh, how am I going to find them? That's gone. Now I can say what I'm doing now is going to pay off in three months. So let me work on all of my ads. Let me work on my networking, you know, knowing that I'm not desperate to pay bills all the time. Yeah, I have the same kind of thing, but like all tied around photography. So like yeah. I'm shooting, I'm a sponsored photographer. So I do like webinars and like educational things. I have my online content and like uh, courses that I sell. So it's like I have like multiple streams, but everything is tied around my personality and within the photography sphere, if you will. So it's like uh, we should, uh, I should branch out to like something that's not related to photography at some point. That's on the horizon. That's one of my goals. Since we're talking goals now, like I can share something about myself and that would be one of them. So um, at the end of this podcast, what would be the best way for people to find you online and learn more about you, check out your work and your brand and like everything that you have going on. Yeah. So, I mean, you can find me anywhere. If you look up Trevor Walker photography uh, on Instagram and Twitter, it's Trev Walk, T-R-E-V-W-A-L-K. But uh, there's not too many Trevor Walker photographies in the world. So you can, you can pretty much find me if you Google me there. 
I, I make a point that my SEO makes me pop to the top of that list. <laughs> so that's kind of the easiest way to find me. All right. And I'll list all of that information in the show notes if you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much, Trevor, for being a part of my podcast and sharing your information and all the knowledge that you have. Really appreciate you being on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me on. This was, uh, it was, it was good fun. All right. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauricejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.